My name's Johnny Summers, and I like the finer things in life. I'm talking delicious ice-cold beer. I'm talking nice wine, appetizers, friends, patio, dogs even sometimes. Yeah, I'm talking about the Handlebar. 2070 East 20th Street. They've got delicious food, an amazing happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. We're going to get money off of any one of their draft beers, which there are a ton of. You're also going to get half off bottles of wine. There is no reason to not get down there. Again, that's the Handlebar at 2070 East 20th Street, right here in Chico. Go check them out. Tell them Fresh Ops hit them a second. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and film podcast and radio show based most of the time entirely out of Chico, California. I am Max Minardi. Johnny Summers here reporting for duty. This week on the show, our thoughts on Knock at the Cabin, the latest from M. Night Shyamalan about a family enjoying a vacation in a cabin when they hear a knock. There's more to it than that. It gets very twisty. Uh, but speaking of knocks, I am recording from my hotel room in Reno. Um, and I did my best hoping that it would be done by now, but there's some knocking going on around because there's like construction in the room either above me or next to me. I'm not sure. So I'll do my best to make sure that doesn't get into the recording. But if it does, um, that's what's going on. And before we get to any of our talks of, of knocking of any kind, Johnny, what are we drinking this week? Yeah, together, separately, we are drinking beers from Prairie Artisan Ales out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Max is going to be drinking Pumpkin Pie Treat. It's a sour ale with pumpkin pie spices and marshmallow flavors. And later on in the show, I will be having Mo Peanut Mo Problems. It's an imperial pastry stout that clocks in at 13.6%, and it's got a ton of peanuts in it, as you might have guessed. You're just going big, man. That's, where did you find that beer? This was from SNS. Okay, I found mine here at Craft and Reno. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it later. Uh, if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a fantastic Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show, which includes my beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Knock at the Cabin. That said, if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for the movie, second beer review from Johnny, and the always entertaining Hot and Bothered, Johnny will tell you what to do. That's right. You're going to go search for the Fresh Hop Cinema podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, etc. We release new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m., and we've been doing that since 2016. If you like the show, go leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and let us know that you did so we can brag about you and you can brag to all your friends about the cool thing that you just did. Uh, to hang out with us on social media, you're going to search Fresh Hop Cinema on your Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to Ye old Faithful website, which is freshhopcinema.com. Maybe you've been listening for a long time, years even, and you think, man, I wish I wish there was a way that I could tell, like, I want to go shopping for the best of the best beers, the creme de la creme. Like, what, what were the best beers that Max and Johnny drank last year? What were the worst beers? That's what's coming out on Patreon. I'm going to say next week, if not the week after. We're going to go... And we're going to put out a bonus episode detailing just that, which is to say Patreon is a place where we put out things like that. Uh, it's a That's way right. for you to also support our show for a couple bucks a month. You can throw that to us. We'll throw you bonus content, <clears throat> invites to events, um, all sorts of fun stuff. So if you want to be a little more involved in this show, you can go to patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Very easy to sign up. And it really goes a long way into helping us uh, continue to produce this uh lovely thing that we do. Am I missing anything about Patreon, Johnny? 
No, you're there, man. I'm super stoked for our next events coming up, too. It's going to be a fun summer. I'm very excited for what the summer holds. All right. So as we mentioned, you and I are recording from remote locations. I am in a different state. You are back home in Chico. But we managed to line this up this time where we are both drinking a beer from Prairie Artisan Ales out of Oklahoma City. Um, that is a, a mainstay on our show. Over the years, we've covered Prairie quite a bit. The last time was episode 259, way back in April of last year, so just about 10 months ago. And we did a, actually, if I remember right, you sent me to Reno with beers that trip. I think I was drinking those beers in a hotel room, not dissimilar to the one I'm in now. Uh, yeah. The first one was uh, an Imperial Pastry Sour called Cleveland Cowboy. I gave it a five out of 10. You gave it a 1.3. I imagine that was amongst your lowest rated beers of the year. Which and, is crazy. I know. And the second was a sour called Thai Delight Treat. It was part of their treat series that um, we're going to be doing today or that I'm going to be doing today. Uh, it was actually recalled after we drank it due to several cans exploding because of a secondary fermentation that happened. We luckily didn't have an exploding can, um, but ours was super full when we opened it. Nonetheless, we gave it ratings of a, a five from me and a 7.3 from Johnny. So today I was browsing for my beer and I saw another beer from their treat series. This one is Pumpkin Pie Treat. Uh, it's a sour ale, of course, with a bunch of adjuncts. It's 5.5%, and the can is very pressurized. I'll say that. It's it. You know how sometimes cans have a little bit of give when you squeeze them on the sides? Mm -hmm. Not this one. Um, so I opened it just a second ago, and um, it didn't froth up nearly as much as the Tide Delight one did, but it definitely uh, was eager to escape its aluminum jail. <laughs> so... Would you, Johnny, remind me of, if you can recall, like your thoughts on that first beer? Because I kind of want to get a, a vibe of, of what our impression is of this series going in and then how we can adjust that uh, opinion as I taste this next one. Yeah, I remember really liking the Thai Delight just because it was uh, very heavy on the coconut milk flavor. Mm -hmm. And I was, and it, if you recall, it bubbled up in our glasses in a way that was very science fiction-y. There yeah, was like a sure. bubble cluster that was thick and milky and it didn't go away. Very similar to like a frothed milk. Yes. Uh, but that coconut creaminess lent a ton of texture and like a rich creamy body. I mean, it really blended well with kind of a tart style beer and it totally worked. I was super into it. I was bummed it got recalled because I remember wanting to, to buy more. Um, so from my recollection, I really enjoyed at least that entry into the treat series. I haven't had too many other ones. I am super skeptical how a sour pumpkin pie is going to taste because those are two words that I would never put together and expect it to be delicious. So I'm really curious what your take is going to be on this guy. Yeah, I was kind of apprehensive too. I picked up the can. It was actually, I got a four pack by the way. So I'll, I'll bring one back to Chico and maybe we can share it with a couple of friends of the show as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just picked it up because it was the only option that I saw at craft today. And I kind of, I don't know what I assumed it was going to be, but I didn't assume it was going to be a sour. <laughs> like you're right. There's something about that that doesn't quite line up with expectations. Like, um, but I think they're using the, the term sour pretty loosely here. Um, I also, you know, I, I like the Tide Delight. I, I'm a big fan of like, you know, like Thai tea. I think it's super fun. I don't drink it that often. I'm not a huge fan of pumpkin pie though. So I was a little bit bummed that this was my only option, but you, you are, I think even on the show noted as, as really caping for pumpkin pie. Yeah. Big pumpkin pie fan. Absolutely. But full of trepidation that this is going to taste like pumpkin pie with like sour, cool whip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully that's not the case. But if I recall in the Thai delight, 
like you said, sour was used in a very uh, liberal sense of the word in that it was way more a smoothie sour adjacent versus just, you know, straight up tart acidic yes, totally. sour, which mm-hmm. which is good because if you're going to have ingredients and adjuncts like this, it cannot be uh overly like puckery nobody wants a puckery pie no they really it feels like if that were the case if you actually tried like a pumpkin pie that did have some tang to it certainly something would have been uh you know expired or or fermented or something right yeah i would assume somebody just left that pie in the sun or something and just don't eat it yikes um as a reminder the tide delight treat was 5.1 percent. this this pumpkin pie treat is 5.5 so a little bit stronger um it looks it looks kind of like like almost like a like a really light hazy pale ale or like a cloudy Kolsch. It's got this kind of light yellow, um, very transparent looking, uh, not a ton of active carbonation left. It's kind of got a little bit of lacing around the top, but a very mellow, like almost the opposite experience of the previous beer. Very, yeah. very subdued. I um, checked out, I'm checking out some pictures on Untapped right now. One, I love the checkerboard can. Yep. And two, I would have not guessed that that beer is this beer like the color just not looking at the liquid in the glass wouldn't have guessed it you'd almost expect going back to stylistically what i would have expected instead of a sour like you almost think like an old ale or a barley wine might kind of lend itself nicely to a pumpkin pie spiced beer mm-hmm. um alas that is not what i have i have this sour which upon first drink is very sour oh no yeah it's i'm, I'm shifting kind of my expectation for the sake of trying to enjoy what I'm getting despite my expectation, but it's in no way reminiscent of a rich, round, full pumpkin pie. It's certainly more an astringent, bitey sour with notes of holiday spices. Now, are the notes like super present or are they kind of like sprinkled in the background? No, they're there. Um, and and as, as strong and loud as those pumpkin pie flavors can be, they're still being squashed by the by the sourness. Wild. It's not bad. I need to go in for a second drink, but uh, it did catch me off guard, even though I was prepared that it might be more sour than pumpkin pie-ish. Hmm. Yeah, that was that was my problem or my main concern. Cause you know, traditionally, not that pumpkin pie beers are very traditional in general, sure, but sure. um the ones that I've seen and the ones that I've consumed that I've actually enjoyed have been Brown ales, porters, mm-hmm. some stouts. You know, there's some pretty good pumpkin pie pastry stouts out there. But the sour thing, you know, of course you can, but should they? That's that's the question when you get really outlandish with beers like this. And making things sour that aren't traditionally sour mm-hmm. it seems like a really slippery slope that just ends in crash landing into kind of a gross beer. It's just a strange move. I, I understand the impulse of wanting to do something desserty with a stout, but if you're going to go the route of pie, I, my brain is like, why not go something more like key lime or lemon meringue or something that would lend itself and, and be bolstered by that acidity? Yeah. Even like if you're wanting to do like a holiday theme thing, you could do like a cranberry cobbler, which is very, you yeah. know, something like that is Thanksgiving y, Christmas y. Yeah. But yeah, the pumpkin pie, I mean, Something that is notoriously rich and velvety and smooth and creamy and not in the least bit sour. It seems like, honestly, it seems like a mistake to make a beer like this and make it sour. Yeah, it's it's really, really thin as well. And I think, yeah, a different flavor profile that might work, but it's it's too thin. It's really, really tart. It's also a 12-ounce can. I, didn't, I don't think I said that, but um, I don't think I'll be having any more. Um, 
I, I don't know. It's I for some reason in my brain, Prairie is this brewery that I love. Like I have them on this pedestal, and as I as I examine that a little bit, I think it comes down to liking more of their Imperial Stout stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like like their Bomb series is a good example. Mm-hmm. The the original Bomb and most of its variants: Birthday Bomb, Christmas Bomb, uh, Pi- Pirate Bomb. Is that a thing? Pirate that, Bomb, yeah, yeah. It's the aged in rum. Sure, or um, even like getting into their noir stuff, I think is all really good. They're dark, like really decadent, rich stouts. I think are fantastic. And I was looking back over our our beer ratings of of our prairie beers over the years, and they're pretty hit or miss, dude. And the times that they hit tend to be those stronger stouts, and the misses are these more experimental kind of avant garde flavor pairing ideas in these beers. And this one is is certainly in the realm of of missing for me. Yeah, I think. Personally, I really do like a lot of their more tart stuff. This just seems like such a deviation from their normal formula. Like they've got a like a tart saison. I can't recall the name of it, but okay. one of my favorite beers for spring and summer. Really like that beer. And yeah, I think they do good work with their sours for what they are. Obviously, their strength is their dark beers, and that's what I agree with you. I love the most. Totally. But I will. I will put my two cents in and say that I like a lot of their sours too. So I'm going to give this beer a thumbs down and I'm not even drinking it, but yeah. I cannot wait to try it when you come right. back. <laughs> um, just looking over here. So we, we did, we did back to back. We did birthday bomb and Christmas bomb uh, back in 2017 on episode 50. Um, I remember we, we had, it was like our 50th episode. We, like, we got to do something big and we loved those beers. And then like a couple years ago for Christmas, we did seasick crocodile and we've done some of these other ones that are just, just so antithetical to, to the, the, the rich chocolatey stout experience that they provide in some of their other beers that I don't know. I, I like, I like the audacity of a brewery to try all these different things and, and really kind of go for it stylistically. And, and uh, you know, from a, from a stance of, of trying different things, but I just feel like I'm getting more and more burnt out on particularly this brewery attempting some of these more unique, we'll say flavored ideas. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> Sometimes you take big swings, and sometimes those big swings result in in big misses. I don't think there's any way around it. Um, so for me, pumpkin pie treat out of ten is I'm gonna I'm gonna say a eh, I don't know. It's like a it's not that bad, but it's really not good. It's like a four. I'll give it a four. That feels fair to me. And that feels like a generous four. It is. It was about to be a three, but I had one more sip, and you know it's it's okay. Twelve ounces is way too much. Um, I don't know. Yeah, not not a huge fan, dude. All right. Well, um, any I other will, yeah, questions? For check me? it out when you get back. Okay. Uh, I don't really have any questions. I, I can fully grasp what it tastes like, and I'm not enjoying talking about it. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. Think I got this beer wrong. Maybe you think I got it right. You can get in touch. You can give us a high five or a slap on the wrist. You can message us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or you can send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. We love feedback. And hey, if you like the show, please go ahead and take 30 seconds. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, you know, it really only does take a couple seconds, and it definitely helps everyone find us. It helps get the show in front of the people that should be listening. Uh, So do that. We appreciate it. Up next is a trailer for Knock at the Cabin. If you haven't seen it yet, fear not. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so do not go anywhere. My name's Leonard. It's nice to meet you, Will. Why are you here? 
suppose I'm here to make friends with you. And your dad's too. But my heart is broken. Why is it broken? Because of what I have to do today. are here to prevent the apocalypse. Your family has been chosen to make a horrible decision. If you fail to choose, the world will end. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you'd like to hear the whole thing, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough, please go have a listen. While vacationing at a remote cabin in the woods, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand they make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. Confused, scared, and with limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before all is lost. Again, this is Knock at the Cabin, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, based on the 2018 novel The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Film stars Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge as Eric and Andrew, the two uh, parents of this young girl, Wen, who is played by Kristen Quee. And then the four armed strangers are Dave Batista, Nikki Amuka Bird, Rupert Grint, um, making, uh, I don't maybe I haven't been keeping up with his career, but one of the first things I've seen him in since the Harry Potter franchise. Um, yeah. And an Abby Quinn. This was released to theaters early February on the 3rd, actually. And it runs an hour and 40 minutes. Johnny, you were given the choice this week if we review this or Ant-Man Quantum Mania Mania Quantum Quantum Realm. And you chose this. Why? Marvel fatigue, uh, to say the least. Uh, it just, I have no desire to see Ant-Man. It's, the story doesn't intrigue me. I'm not invested in any of the characters. There's nothing about that movie that screamed to me, well, I was been waiting to know what happened since the last movie, so I got to jump all over this. It just feels like more of the same, and I feel that it's completely uninteresting. Okay, so it wasn't so much that you were you were had a burning desire to see the latest M Night Shyamalan film. It's just you didn't want to see Marvel, so anything else would have done the trick. I would say seventy percent didn't want to see another Marvel movie, and thirty percent I was excited for Knock at the Cabin. I bet you there's another unaccounted percentage in there where uh, you also didn't want to see 80 for Brady. Oh, that's 100%. <laughs> All right, so you're 200% into this movie. What did you think of Knock at the Cabin? So M. Night Shyamalan is notorious for his twists and is, you know, that formulaic kind of thing has become predictable. So I, I went in hoping just to be entertained and have it not be absurd. I didn't want another The Happening 
Uh, so went in kind of skeptical, but still hopeful. I love seeing Dave Batista in more dramatic roles. I know he's trying to go for that, and I think he pulled it off pretty well. But overall, this movie was very stressful. Sure. I loved that it was pretty much all set in the cabin, barring just some flashback scenes and a little bit at the end. Um, so you have this one-room drama that's playing out. It feels claustrophobic. It's very stressful, lots of anxiety, some very high stakes. And I liked the aspect of it's kind of this moral philosophical debate while also being so much more in the physical, like immediate feeling of being threatened and kind of held hostage. I don't think that's spoiler. It's pretty obvious in the trailer. Yeah. Um, I love that the suspense was created so early and it, for me, it held pretty high through probably three quarters of this movie of that just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it's, it's edgy, it's gripping. It had me very invested very quickly. I loved the cinematography. I think there was some really beautiful shots for the limited set design that they had to work with. Uh, um, and also what was her name? Kristen Kui as oh, sure. when yeah. I thought she was great. She was a good little actress. I enjoyed her performance <laughs> thoroughly. Um, a lot of the characters worked. There were some that didn't, but they were kind of meant to not work together. And we'll get more into that in kind of the danger zone spoilery stuff. But overall, the suspense was there. The plot was intriguing enough. There was a, a pivotal question at the center of this movie that was engaging and it led to some fascinating conversations after the movie. So I think overall, I liked it. I'm I'm pretty warm on this movie. I think it was one of the better Shyamalan movies I've seen since maybe Lady in the Water. Okay. Um, okay. Out of 10. Ah. You, you act surprised. Like, oh, no. He's, I no. know. What are you doing? I knew it was coming and I still wasn't ready. For me, it was a... It feels like a solid 6.3 all day. 6.3. Okay. Uh, normally, I would give some reasons for my score, but I just want to gin up some controversy. For me, it's a three. Um, M. Night Shyamalan is, is like, he's like, like a gymnast at the Olympics who's doing this elaborate floor routine. He's like doing back handsprings and roundoffs and flips and like all this stuff. And you're in the audience just watching it amazed. And then sure enough, he's doing his like last back handspring back tuck and he snaps his ankle and falls and gets a concussion and then and then like stands up with his arms above his head as if he somehow stuck the landing and we're all like you didn't you didn't stick the landing <laughs> he doesn't stick landings and guys i'm with you like it's such a it's such a titillating idea it's it's essentially Great premise right the, the trolley Great problem premise. it's like it's like can you you can divert the train and you can you can you know kill one person but you're saving all these other people except here it's like the person you're you know going to kill is somebody that you love more than anything it's a little reductive as a thought experiment but it's still it's still uh, compelling to some extent I love that I also like what you're saying about Dave Batista I think in dramatic roles he's great Shyamalan actually cited uh, Dave Batista's performance in. Blade Runner Blade 2049. Nice. I mean, like he can do this sort of thing. I like I'm I'm with this movie a lot. Jaron Blaschke is the cinematographer who also was DP on The Lighthouse. Um, and mm. think what you want about that movie, but uh, really, really stands on its own from a a visual perspective. It has its own sort of cinematographical fingerprint. 
Um, they shot this movie all in like these 1990s lenses. So it has this very specific look. There's all sorts of weird close-ups and, and like strange framing that, that makes you feel uneasy. There's a lot of unease. It's a very tense movie. Mm-hmm. It just falls apart at the end. Part of it for me, and you can tell me, dude, if, if you think we should cut this out for listeners that might not know, but in the trailer, there's a shot of a plane falling out of the sky and it's not subtle. It's like, that's unusual. And there's all these hints in the trailer that maybe what these people are suggesting will happen is definitely going to happen. And mm-hmm. it demystifies, like, it, not demystifies, it, it, it diffuses that tension immediately. Because if we're like, okay, like the world is going to end, then all of the tension they're trying to build is for naught, I think. And then it comes down to what's the movie trying to say? There's, there's some kind of like loosely thrown in commentary on human nature and uh, like homophobia and, and a perspective a person can have about the rest of the world based on their experiences. I think none of that's tied together super well. That said, Batista's great. Jonathan Groff, I love. Um, it's, I liked it for a while and then I just hated it by the end. It gets so handholdy. It becomes, so, it's a bummer of a movie. Um, I just think it's really poorly done by the end. So it's a three for me, not a fan. I'd say skip it. I don't disagree. I think I like it more than you just because I did enjoy the tension and the suspense, but I I will fully agree it did not stick the landing. It was a really weak third act, and by the end of it, I was like, okay, that's a movie. Like, It had a good premise, and it made me want to read the book. Let's put it that way. It Yeah. I would want to know how much of the book was changed to make the movie before I would be okay with reading the book. Right. But I, I think you're probably, I, it sounds like you had some discussions with people after seeing this. I think that's probably, I don't think you need to see the movie. I think this could have been a one paragraph sort of uh, springboard in a friend conversation. I think that should be a thing. We should all carry around like philosophical ideas and seem, seem like giant douches and be like, hey guys, you were drinking these beers, having a good time. You know, it'd be fun. What do you think we should do if we could save the entire population? By the way, uh, when, when, um, when Ben Aldridge, uh, Andrew, the dad, Andrew, um, is like, I'd watch the world burn a thousand times to save my family. You're kind of like, all right, dude, like you, you can't say that. Like you lose my empathy at that point. Yeah. You can't say that and believe it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of his stance. Like that's his whole thing. His character's like, no, I'll, I'll kill everybody before I, uh, you know, would even cut off my daughter's finger. Like I, it's kind of the impression I got. Yeah. I don't know. I think the characters are kind of poorly drawn too. Like we get these weird flashbacks that are supposed to give us some emotional context for why we care about this family. And some are cute, but mostly it's like, yeah, I, okay, I get it. Let's, let's get a move on. I want to see, I want to see Ron Weasley again, holding a (laughs) pitchfork. Right. (laughs) Or whatever he has. Those weapons are so weird. They were. Or tools. Excuse me. They're tools. Right. Um, Okay. Um, Well, what else do you have on this? I feel like we're both being pretty clear about our opinions here. Yeah, um, I definitely am wanting to see Batista in more roles like this. Uh, I think that Glass Onion was a really nice segue between his previous career in the Marvel Universe into more serious dramatic roles. Guardians that 3 was, is coming out like in a couple weeks. It's not his previous. He's in that. He's in the thick of it still. Yeah, but this is his last one. That's true. Like he said, he's officially done. Yeah. So. You know, it's like, but something like Glass Onion and also even that that small cameo in, in 2049 really did 
it put him on my radar as like someone who I'd like to see because he's got such an imposing physical presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his character in this was a second grade teacher, was like super soft spoken, very timid. And it was such a fascinating persona to see coming out of the body of Dave Batista that it's like, wow, it, it's thought provoking and it, it gave me you know, a little empathy for his character and he pulled it off really well. Like, you know, you could think that he'd be so easily typecast as just the meathead type character. And I love that they didn't make, they made the choice to not like cover up his tattoos. They kind of left him looking rough around the edges, but then gave him this character of, of a teacher who works with like small children. It, it really kind of opened him up as, as a character. And I liked it. I liked this role for him. I think, for me, he, him, and and Kristen Quia's when were probably the shining points of this movie. Like just their interactions. The first five minutes of this movie were utterly unsettling. Him just sitting down with her in the sure, grass. Sure, it was like skin crawly because he looks terrifying, but he's like super polite. And I'm like, oh god, are you gonna go full Hannibal Lecter? What's going on here? Right. Um, I'm with you, dude. He he carries the movie emotionally. For all the reasons you're saying, I don't, you know, we're kind of on limited time for our radio listeners, so I will just say I agree with you completely. My only other gripe, and this is a pretty big gripe, is that if you're like, you break in, they break into the house, right? They try to come in peacefully at first, they don't let them in. They break in and they give them this crazy premise like, you have to kill somebody in your family because, because, because we said, because we've had mm-hmm. visions. There's not nearly enough follow-up questions from the family or explanations from the intruders. Like right. at no point is anybody like, like just give me a follow-up. Like the first thing is like, Andrew's like, you're a bunch of lunatics. You're having delusions. And then and he's like, we've seen it. It has to go just this way. I just wish like there's, a, I'm okay with the suspension of disbelief that this could happen. Let's say that they do have visions and the world could end because of this. I, I'm not okay with the suspension of my disbelief that these two parties wouldn't do a little bit more investigating or or elucidating respectively to each other because there's I don't even know how this movie was an hour and 40 minutes long nothing happens really except the major plot points that do but there's the dialogue that took place was not the dialogue that would have been happening were this a real scenario and that really rubs me the wrong pees pees me right off that's what I'm saying dude that was one of the main points that me and Shalina were talking about after this like I would have asked way more questions. Like yeah. they were just in this cabin for hours and hours and hours. And there was no specifics asked by the, the hostages. I know. And there was no, like, like no. if you've had all these visions that were super specific F- tell them. and like, Prove you tell it. me, like, like literally you yes. could have proven it. And I would have been like, okay, I believe you. Do totally. you guys want to like Rochambeau to see who dies right. or how are we doing this? Um, yeah, dude, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's not, by the way, another thing, why there's a cameo from M. Night Shyamalan in this, which yeah. completely takes you out of it. I don't know what that's about. Making, just, just he's making, making fried chicken he's making in an air fryer. Air fr- he's promoting an air fryer in the background of a TV before something important comes on. I don't understand that creative choice. It, it was has super nothing distracting. to do with, with the movie. It doesn't fit tonally. It's weird. It's so weird. I yep, don't know. It was so strange. Okay, we're, we're there on time, man. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Knock at the Cabin is available to rent on video on demand, as well as being in most theaters. 
If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us again on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or you can send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. And as a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Knock at the Cabin, where we reveal the big twist, a second beer review, and hot and bothered, head over to your favorite favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. Johnny. (laughs) That's right. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. on all major podcast platforms. To our radio listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every single Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM, people-powered radio. And until then, watch some films and drink something that makes your senses sizzle like a sour pumpkin ale. Man. And to those of you currently listening in podcast format, we'll be right back with The Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to The Danger Zone. Uh, we're going to spoil, knock at the cabin. Uh, so let's get into it, man. Um, it's a Shyamalan movie, I guess. I guess... I, I don't like that the conversation about his movies ends up being about the twist, but I don't know that there's anything for it. I think that is what everybody knows him for. Yeah. I if think once that conversation to not happen, he should stop only making movies with like plot changing twists. Here's the problem. Again, there's this plane falling in the trailer. It's clear the yeah. apocalypse is going to happen, but mm-hmm. all of the tension is built around this idea of like, are, are these people a like conning this family are they lunatics or or is there some is there some evil afoot as uh mermaid man and barnacle boy would put it (laughs) i and there's no mystery so none of the tension or the drama around that works at all to me see i didn't recall seeing that in a trailer so i didn't have that preconceived in my head so that wasn't as off-putting or distracting from the tension for me as it was for you okay what was your instinct what did you think was the truth oh you know i i was pretty skeptical up until skeptical of the apocalypse yes okay yeah, like because we live in the age of 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 QAnon, of conspiracy theories, of message boards, and basically wackadoos finding each other online. Sure, and you know, a shared delusion is something that's not out of the question either. So, I was super skeptical because it did have an air of kind of uh, conspiratorial fanaticism the whole time, mm-hmm. uh, and it was probably up until, oof. I don't know. The second earthquake got me. Okay. I was like, well, and then, you know, the, the, the flu didn't really, I didn't buy that because that would, that had already been happening for months before they were there. And you're like, we already done COVID also. Like what, what is that? Three cities? Fuck out. Like what? Exactly. It's not global yet. No. (laughs) Call me when you're a real pandy motherfucker. Like you ain't shit. Right. So yeah, there was this whole. I was super skeptical for little, till late in the movie. Okay. And I was kind of team dads and when okay. that like, okay. we need to escape. This is, these are crazy people. And uh, yeah, it was late, late in the movie. It was probably when the airplane stuff happened where it's like, okay, that's right. not predictable. That wasn't happening before. And there's no reason that many airplanes should just be falling out of the sky. That's so true. Like, that was when I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, but also, yeah. Th- at that time in the movie, I was like, what is – you could have proven this a long time ago. Because they knew that the second earthquake was going to happen. They right. knew all this stuff. And it's like you could have said, hey, that if you don't do this, 
like all the planes in the sky are just going to start falling out and everyone's going to die. That'd like, be a great one to say. And they have all this specific things in their heads, mm-hmm. these, the captors, that they're not conveying in a way that would have been like concrete, provable you know, evidence, like display that. And that was my main gripe. I'm like, dude, they could have proven this to totally. everyone. And like all this suspense is unwarranted if they would actually just sit down and communicate. And I was expecting that to happen in such a more in-depth manner because Batista's character the whole time is like, we just need to sit down and talk. I know. You should hear our side of things. You should hear what we've seen. And you'll maybe just make the right decision. And like if they would have done that in any clear and concise way with the visions and knowledge they had, this movie has no suspense. I know. And like not – look, not everything has to be a movie. Like, I think what <laughs> right? probably should have happened was, like, you know, he reads the book. This is how I picture Like, M. Night Shyamalan's reading this book, like, losing his mind, just loving it. He's, like, picturing, like, oh, my God, I'm going to make the best twist. And then he presents it to the producers and the writers and, like, everybody. And somebody should have probably been, like, hey, like, this doesn't quite work on screen. Like, we yeah. are too omniscient as as a film audience that maybe maybe you're not that way in the book. I don't know. But to your point, like Dave Bautista does the thing bef- like during the airplane crash, he's doing like the the Phil Connor thing in in the diner on Groundhog's Day where he's like mm-hmm. predicting everything that people are going to say right before they say it. Like these visions according to these four people are so vivid and they've had them for so long. If he he could have probably done that with the first earthquake cast. Yeah, and they're like willing to die for it. That's the other thing. There's a lot of religious stuff that starts happening like it's unclear and for me, this was the biggest mystery and that was left hanging, which I don't appreciate because I was, I didn't care about the apocalypse thing. I was convinced it was going to happen. So I'm as an audience, like, okay, why? Like, like who is giving you these visions? Like what's going to happen? There's so many religious allegories. Like these are clearly like the four horsemen of the apocalypse kind of thing. Yeah. That's pretty clear. There's talk that was of obvious religion. Quick. Yeah. Uh, four people show up to your door and is like, Hey, the end of the world. You're like, mm, four, four and four is four, I guess. It's mm-hmm. that, but nothing's ever resolved in that sense either. So like, I don't know, Jonathan Groff starts kind of kind of waxing religious by the end. He's like, I'm just going to go to wherever it is I'm going to go. And I just want to be happy and think of my daughter, whatever. But it's so ambiguous at the same time. They're being so cut and dry, like religion, Bible, whatever. Also, no answers for you. Just more planes. I love at one point the newscaster's like, because <laughs> you see a couple planes fall out of the sky and it cuts to the broadcast and the lady, the news anchor's like, we it's been reported there have been between six and 700 planes. And you're just like, oh man, that's a, that's most of them. I don't know. I didn't think there were that many planes in the sky. I think there are. There's a lot of planes. There must around. be, you know? How many people died, by the way, by the time they realized it was true? Like a ton. Oh, a lot. Like how many people are on a plane usually, do you think? Probably 200. That's not, well, that seems high. Maybe like, can we say like 100? Sure, at least. Yeah, between one and 200 times 700 planes. Like that's so many people dead already. Plus like the tsunamis and the earthquakes, like so many people are dead. So the the capacity of a 747, the which big, is one the of the biggest most commonly plane. used planes in the world. <laughs> okay. Uh, 524 people. That's a huge plane though. That's like a giant plane. It's like a double-decker plane. No, it's not. It isn't? No. Are you sure? Yeah. It sounds like a lot of people, man. I'm looking at it right now. Well, I was just, you're at the airport? I was just, I, I was just on like a, like a normal plane, I guess, where it has like, you know, three on one side and two on the other. And there's no way that's 546 people or whatever you just said. How many people fit on a Southwest flight? That's the real Go Frontier. Control. Frontier's going to be higher because they cram you in there. Right. 
But sure, yeah. Uh, let's see. Ba, 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 ba. 175 people on a 737 okay. Max 8. Yeah, between, between 100 and 200. Yep. A lot of people is the point. I don't like. It feels yeah. like a victory by the end. Like they've saved something, but it's like, you know how many people died for you to do this? A, a lot. A lot. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I guess that's my yeah. thoughts on it. I'm with you, man. Like not everything has to be a movie. Yes. Someone needs to tell him that, I think. You like yeah. Lady in the Water, by the way. Nobody likes Lady in the Water. I, I kind of like Lady in the Water, but I think I think critically, um, no one likes it. Yeah. Which is to say, you know, personal emotions aside, I think, you know, quote unquote objectively, it's a bad movie. Well, I should rewatch it. When, yeah, I was going to say, I when's the last time it, you saw it? It's been a long time. Like I, it was before years. I started seriously watching movies critically. Yeah. Okay, me too. I got it in high school on DVD and I wrote my name on it and then I Velcroed it to a wall with all these other movies that I had. And they were nice. movies like like The Vanishing with Hayden, how's it Hayden Panettiere? Who's Anakin? Yeah. Panettiere. No. No. I don't know. Christensen. Hayden Christensen. Oh. And and like a bunch of the bunch of movies that are like really bad. And yeah. I swore by those movies. And now I'm like, I should probably yeah, either rewatch them or just stop saying that I love them. Yeah, it's got a five point five on IMDB and a Net score of twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a two point four on Letterboxd. Seems high for Letterboxd, but okay. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything else on Knock at the Cabin, Johnny Summers? Well, I think the uh, the question that came up immediately after we watched it was, "What would you do? You kill somebody? Yeah. Now, who how do you? Would, kill? How would you That's decide? the question. Who do you kill? And who are is you? This, is this a like one, two, three legs situation? Like, how do you decide? I'm not even sure what you're referring to there. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Um, no, I want to hear your thought process and who you're picking. Uh, well, I mean, okay. Let's say it's me, a partner, and a child. Obviously, okay. we're not going to kill the kid. Oh, see, I think... <laughs> Never mind. Why <laughs> you go? You go. You can... Are you going to kill off your I child? Didn't, I didn't say that. You didn't say no. It's not my turn yet. Um. Yes, she was adopted, but like still, bro... <laughs> Who okay? So you you're killing your partner, or well, is your partner yeah, killing you? Yeah, it's got to be one of us. Well, so which um, is it? Or I mean, there's the the morbid thought of let's just go out, go down as a family, blaze of glory, murder suicide. I don't I don't think that's the rules. Well, they just said one of them. I know like, they, but they cool, specifically said it. one only. I don't know. Well, that's stupid. I'd have been like, all right, go ask God if we just burn this motherfucker down. Go out as a family if that still counts. Sure. So, like, you're volunteering for your family, and then they're like, okay, thank you for your sacrifice. And you're like, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. You're, no, coming, we're all like, you're coming with yeah. me. The you're ship's like, hey, going hey, down. Like, we're, <laughs> we're all going down. Um, See what um, I, no, but I think, yeah. okay, realistically, it would have to be between, you know, if it was me and Shalina and there was a kid, I would sacrifice myself. I think that's the right move. I think that's the the morally correct move the conscionable move is that i yeah. don't know if that's the smartest move it I mean, might unless be. yeah unless one of the people in the party's like nope totally down pick me yeah right 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 i'm just the kid has less life experience so there's less fear probably I don't know. I think. Are I think you about it, to make an argument why killing the child off is the right move in this situation? I am because approaching this dilemma am, from every angle, and I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just trying <laughs> to see if there's a case, and I'm not sure there is. 
This conversation is already more interesting than the movie was. <laughs> um, here's what I wanted to see happen in the movie. This this could have turned into like some sort of commentary on the future for children. And like maybe in the background the whole time is like is like footage on on their TV is like footage of of environmental disasters and 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 ice caps melting and oil spilling into the ocean. And that's what this mm-hmm. girl's into. Like she for whatever reason like her parents are these aloof gay men that like to go around and party and and drink wine and live this lavish lifestyle. And she has become obsessed because she comes from another country mm-hmm. where she doesn't have all these these um luxuries. So her, her thing is like being fixed on how the world is literally going to end, but not because of some spiritual apocalypse, because of what people are doing. So she gets confronted by these people and she goes, I have the solution. She steals the gun, shoots both of her dads, she wins and the world survives. That would be a sick ass movie. If you ask me. (laughs) Just take the gun. So I was watching this and I was almost fully convinced that she was going to commit suicide and jump out of the treehouse. Oof. Man, that would have been a twist too. See, there's a twist. I, and I, you know, you're watching a Shyamalan movie. You're expecting. Oh, yeah, but you can't. You can't do that because they said you can't commit suicide. Oh, that's right. Which would Wait, be an even it? bigger twist. She kills herself, and then she thinks she's making the sacrifice. Her dads are so distressed that then, then they kill themselves, and then nobody saves the planet, and we all die. Twist. Hmm. Maybe I don't understand twist. what a twist is. I don't know. No, I think you do. <laughs> I think, I think Shyamalan doesn't. Yeah, maybe. Also. What was the twist in this movie? Was is, is that the apocalypse was actually happening? That's the thing. Which I that's don't know. The, if that's the case, it was ruined by the trailers, if you have half a brain. And if the twist was that one of the dads buys in and starts believing and then sacrifices himself, that's also not that crazy of a twist. So t- I think no. if there was a stab at a twist here, it wasn't very impressive. No. The other twist could have been, yes, they agree to kill one of them, and then the apocalypse doesn't happen. But that would be that would make me so mad. Like, all right, what's the point? It's, it shouldn't have been a movie. Yeah. It, yeah. So that's where I'm at with Cabin at the Knocking of the Woods. I agree. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll read the book and report back. You in the mood for a beer? I certainly am. Okay. Your second beer, I presume, is in front of you, Johnny Summers. Have you opened it? I have. I've poured it, and it looks terrifying. In a good way? No, we got problems. Oh no, dude, that sucks. Okay, as as a reminder, um, tell people what it is called and and give me give me the the nuts and the peanuts and bolts of the beer. It's called Mo Peanuts or Mo Peanut Mo Problems. Clearly, uh, it's an imperial pastry stout that's thirteen point six percent. It is a barrel aged imperial stout with peanut butter cream filled cookies, crunchy wafers layered with peanut butter cream covered in fudge, and toasty marshmallow flavor. I like that it says toasted, but you said toasty. That makes me happy. Yeah, it should have said toasty. That's a lot of stuff, man. I didn't read that the first time. That's a lot of things going into a beer. Yeah, and so here's here's where I'm a little concerned. It looks good, the beer. It smells good, but floating at the top of my glass are just stubborn bubbles that won't go away that I'm not sure are bubbles and that have a shocking resemblance to, like, fish eggs. Take a photo. Please. I'm gonna. Um, they're not fish eggs. I I am very confident of that, and I am also confident that you should drink it. Oh, I'm gonna drink it, but yeah, it's it's unsettling how much they're not going away. Like I've swirled it around, and they're just still there, man. Yeah. Um, and okay. So like it says, it had wafers. Yes. So I'm like, is this like chunks of wafer? Like is, mm. but see, then I swirl the glass and they pop. So it was just some weird, like really stubborn bubbles. But yeah. man, it, it, it was concerning for a minute. I'm going to take one moment 
because all that stuff in there, there's got to be some lactose in there somewhere. Yeah, that's fine. I will. Uh, I, what I think it is is that uh, the uh, bunch of peanuts in there have left a lot of oil. I would guess those are really oily bubbles, which kind of sounds gross when you think about it in the context of a beer. But that's what that's my um, highly uninformed guess. Okay. Well, I'm sending you the picture oh, so you thanks, can check man. it out while I drink it. Can we say, uh, it, depending on how this goes, maybe uh, this will be on our Instagram story, let's say, uh, for 24 hours from the posting of this episode. So like all day Friday, you can check our Instagram and, and see what we're talking about. Yeah, sure. Okay, great. But luckily, the, the the little bubbles or whatever it is that you have seen in that picture I just sent you, they have uh, gone away. Sure. That is, yeah, dude, it looks like a really, so it looks like to me tiny versions of the bubbles that were in like the mango uh, delight treat or whatever. Thai delight treat. Yeah. Um, yeah. They look like really, really oily bubbles. Mm-hmm. That's I, uh, you know, I, I'm with you. That looks gross. I would have been concerned as well, but I'm glad they yeah, went away. Well, me too. Uh, is that your mason jar by the way? Yes. Cool. I'm like in the glass. I couldn't even tell, but I knew. Yeah. You know, okay. You know how I roll. Have you, have you tried it yet? I have. And oh boy. Good Man, or bad. This is, it is not bad. Thank nice. goodness. There's Good. nothing wrong with this beer, uh, at least from the infection or weird bubbles concerns that I had before. No, it is a completely fine and drinkable liquid. Now let's get on to what it tastes like. There yeah. is so much going on in this beer. Um, it smells very boozy. You get a ton of like the barrel whiskey notes. I'm assuming it was aged in, in whiskey or bourbon barrels. It just says barrel aged right. on the bottle and on the website or untapped where we mm -hmm. got this from. Um, yeah, you smell some of the booze and then it just smells very desserty, very almost like a brandy cordial type situation okay. happening with the booze and the, the excuse me, the chocolatey, almost like a, a flambe where you get that really heavy alcohol smell and flavor mixed in with the sweetness of the dessert. Okay. Um, so we're looking at Peter but peanut butter cream filled cookies. So like think uh, Nutty Buddy, right? What's and then crunchy what's, wafers. Hang on. What's Nutty Buddy? Nutty Buddy, the best cookie known to man. Do you mean do you mean um, Nutter Butters? Is that what you mean? Is that a cookie? Fuck me. Yeah. What's Nutter a, Butters? What's a Nutty Buddy? A nutty I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Never mind. It's not a no. A Nutty for a Buddy show. is the the little Debbie treat. It's the the peanut butter wafers covered in chocolate. And what are we trying to say? Nutter Butter. That's a name of a thing. Nutter, nutty Buddy. Yeah. No Nutter Butter. Yeah. That's the cookie, They're right? Like the eight, the figure eight, the peanut shaped cookie with the, in the sandwich cookie thing. Yeah, that's a Nutter Butter. It's called Nutter Butter. <laughs> yeah, dude. That can't be right. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, I know I said it. So I guess it is probably right, but the more you know, the more I think about it, I'm like, that surely that didn't that didn't pass HR. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Nutter butter, butter is, and then uh, the little Debbie snack is nutty bars. Oh, nutty bars. Okay. Yeah. Not so, nutty buddy. It's yeah. Okay. All right. Um. So that's what went into this, probably. Yeah, I'm assuming that or something like it, and then crunchy wafer layers with peanut butter and cream covered in fudge. That's basically a nutty bar. Yes. So it's it's a nutty buddy, a nutty bar. And toasted marshmallow. Man, it is over the top with that, like, just peanut butter chocolate flavor. It is wildly sweet. Good. I mean, right? Like We're almost at 14%. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of expecting a dessert stout. 
Bro, you could have told me that this was 6% Come and I would on. believe you. Is it because it's, it's thin or because it's subtle? No, it's it's thicker than molasses. It, it poured out like swamp water. It's, <laughs> it's thick. But man, it is the epitome of a pastry stout. This is... Cloying is maybe an understatement. This might be one of the sweetest beers I've ever had. Nice. Okay. That's good. I mean, it sounds like you like it. Um, yeah, I do actually. Uh, it's a 12 ounce bottle, not cheap. So this is a good one to share. Or if you're like me, uh, dome it when you're just recording the last okay. half of the sure, podcast. Sure, sure. Um, I really love the nose. It's very strong. And if on the artificial peanut butter, it tastes like, like nutter butter frosting. It tastes like the nutter butter butter. The nutter butter butter, sure. Well, dang it, man! How many? I mean, you got this at S and S. How much was it? <laughs> I'm worth it, Max. Well, Don't I won't worry one. about Am it. Am I worth it? It is was the question. Ten. Uh, it was seventeen dollars. Seventeen dollars, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. For one beer. Yeah. I got the four pack of this shitty beer for eighteen dollars. <laughs> Get what you pay yeah. for, I guess. Yeah, man. Uh, at least mine's not sour pie. Yours is twenty dollars. Seventeen. It's a twelve ninety nine plus tax. That's true. Well, damn it, it's not cheap. No, I guess I'll not. put a cork. I'll put a cork in it and save you some. Oh, it's a bottle. Yeah, it's okay. a glass bottle. Yeah, save it for me. Sounds great. Would that work? No, probably not. It might be flat, but you would still. It would still be good. Might be better. Maybe. All right. We'll just buy another one. We're not poor. That's true. We'll just get another one, and we'll we'll like up, we'll Patreon? take it to a, we'll take it to our bar hang this or next month. And then yeah, we'll share it with perfect. people. I actually got we have a couple beers. I got um, another tough love from Crux that I picked up. Uh, last month and this really cool um old ale from i think it's from belgium uh or like it's a belgian strong ale i think so okay. we could yeah we could have a little a little a little fun with our with our patrons on patreon solid i like that so mo peanut mo problems you have to buy in because it's 100 percent through and through just a problems. shitload of peanut okay yep is mo problems <laughs> so many problems like diabetes it's is a bad a it's a bad name for a beer you know, you're like, we're putting a ton of peanuts, but our slogan is, more peanut, more problems. So, yeah, like, this like, beer is so going to give bad. you problems. Yeah, right. It should have been, more peanut, right. no problems. It's a it's an homage to a Biggie Smalls song. No, I know what it's a, a reference to, but still. Not everything needs to be a beer name. Like, not everything <laughs> needs to be a movie. Like, just a little discretion from the marketing team is all I ask. I like the name, but I also like your hot take, and Thanks. I respect it. All right, I appreciate uh, it. It's a cool bottle, too. It's a like a B-52 bomber in a sea of clouds, like dropping down like multicolored. Basically, they're in the shape of peanuts, and they have words in them, and they spell out the name of the beer. It's cool. a rad bottle. That's kind of what, what led me to it. Also, this was basically a hand-curated pick for me from Andy at SNS. He's mm. like, if you want to do something from Perry, do this one. I love this beer. Dude, he's so. he's in charge of like selling the beers. Of course, he's going to give you the most expensive beer he has. <laughs> like, You should try this one. It's really good. Uh, he actually tried to get me a buy me get me to buy a couple different beers. Nah, I'm just kidding. One. Yeah, but but okay. I was like, man, and he's like, Johnny, you're worth it. I'm like, you know what? Damn, you know what? I that's what I'm gonna. It, that's Andy. what I'm gonna tell Max when he gives me shit for this. Damn, Andy, you're good at your job. I am worth <laughs> it. He's like, buddy, you've had a hard week. You deserve it. <laughs> Done. I think you do too, man. Done. It was. Uh, it was. It's delicious though. Uh, I really like it, and man. This is a beer that I would only want to drink at once in a great while or with a group of friends though. Um, I'm going to drink this to the dome by myself, but I'm, I shouldn't, 
No, I don't I th- think it's something you should do. Listen, you deserve um, it. You're worth it. You've had a long week. I am. Also, um, and it's I'm, going to tri- <laughs> I'm going to trivia that Nick Land's hosting tonight, so I'm going to be like primed and ready with some spicy answers. I'll yes, tell you, you what. are. What's the category tonight? Uh, it's different every week. You can't predict oh, it. Oh, you don't know. He doesn't. Okay. Yeah. It's gotcha. not advertised, so you got to just come in smart. Okay. Well, that's actually probably the better strategy for trivia. Just come in smart, man. Yeah. You like, you know, just be prepared in general with knowledge. Yeah, just just show up. Don't be dumb. You'll do fine. I guess I meant the strategy from like the trivia host's perspective. Like that's oh, the yeah, strategy. Yeah. Like don't, totally. you don't want people to like be able to prepare necessarily. Yeah, because some spots do it where it's like tonight we're doing Seinfeld trivia. And it's to get just, people like, in the Google. door. I've done that before, and I Googled Seinfeld trivia questions. And the exact same ones just, that they were they, asking. That's all they did. That was all the thought they put into it. Well, it Nick Land Google. is not a lazy trivia host. So, A, he's not going to advertise it. Or a a and a half because he's googling the questions too. He doesn't want you to do the same thing. So either way, he's smart. Exactly. But yeah, so I'll be coming in well lubricated for trivia. But we have a. I'll talk about it later on. Still need to talk about this beer. But I've got a team of of Patreon people that are pretty much rolling out with me every single week. So what the hell's going cool. on? I go out of town and you're just like we're going to trivia again. I'm not going to tell Max about it. Well, you're not here. You could take me. You could. We could zoom. I don't think that's yes, how it I'll works. be on stage. I don't care. <laughs> Just playing music while we're doing. <laughs> yeah, you should come next Wednesday then. I can't. I'm busy. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> this is why I don't invite you. To Johnny, give me a give me a rating for your beer. We're getting close on. You time. know, I can't give it into the eights because I I wouldn't travel like a great distance. It's it's not epic in its goodness. It's really good for a beer that's readily available. Don't have to put too much work into it. The price point does impact, and you know I don't like to let the price impact my rating of a beer, but fuck me, that's expensive. Expensive. And for a 12-ounce bottle, so that has to factor in. I'm sorry, it just does. It does. For This beer is a, uh, it's a seven, seven four mm-hmm. all day. Fantastic peanut butter notes, chocolatey, decadent, rich, super, super sweet, boozy in the right ways, but not overly boozy. I think it's definitely worth a shot. Split it with somebody or just treat yourself. Spend 20 bucks on a 12-ounce bottle and just go to town. Dude, those Nutty Bars were also like like trash quality. You know, like they feel like if you Google a picture of them, like they're low quality. What's the company that makes like Ho-Ho's and Snowballs? Um, and That's uh, Hostess. Yeah. It's like the generic version of that. You'd see Nutty Bars like at the dollar store kind of thing. And the, the reason I'm saying this is because the other aspect of this beer is the peanuts, which are like the cheapest nuts. It's not like they're putting macadamia yeah. nuts. Like why? I don't understand why this beer is so expensive. Like there's there's the lowest quality stuff in it, I think. Maybe they got like name brand candy and they just couldn't say that because of copyrights and stuff. I mean, maybe. There's, um, you know, originally this uh, Nutty Bars were made by Seymour Ice Cream and those were, <laughs> the OGs were discontinued in the 1980s. So maybe- they were sitting on a stash of the originals and used them for this beer, and that's why it's so expensive, because they're hard to get. Whoa, this shit's vintage, bro. <laughs> You've got aged, super fucking gross nutty bars creating oily pockets of goodness in your Imperial Stout. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. I watched this TikTok the other day. This guy gets the oldest beers he can find and shotguns them. Gross. Love it. It's terrible. He did a Deschutes like Black Butte Porter from the 80s. Yeah, how'd that go? It looked deplorable. I hate the internet. 
Yeah, me too. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. No. That's the the name of this episode. Not everything needs to be a beer that you drink from the 80s. That's what I'm saying. So instead of like episode 290 whatever, movie this, beer that, it should just, we should just start titling them. And the Mm -hmm. title for this one is just, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. It it would be, not everything needs to be, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Not everything, (laughs) everywhere, all at once. Uh, Do you have anything else on this beer, dude, or should we move into Hot and Bothered? Uh, I'm down to split one with you if you want to try it. I'm well, yeah, sure. We'll have a fundraiser and we'll get another one. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, the part of the show where we talk about what's got us hot or bothered. It's pretty self-explanatory. You know, it's actually not because I forget sometimes that hot and bothered is actually a uh, mildly spicy turn of phrase. That's not what yeah. it means here. Here, it's where I talk about the fact that I think I have bronchitis and I've had it for like ten days. Now, Dope. you may have noticed that I haven't been coughing uncontrollably. Uh, not you, you sound Johnny, great. the listeners. Um, partially, it's because every time I've been coughing today, Johnny, I mute you on the phone. And listeners, I cut it out from the edits. You don't hear it. But I'm also on the mend. It was rough. I've been singing here in Reno for a few nights in a row. And it sucks. And I'm so mad. I started with a cold. And then I've gotten this stupid thing. But I do this for a living. And I can't always last minute be like, I'm not coming to this show. Certainly not like seven of them in 10 days. So... Been playing a lot of instrumental stuff, kind of uh, reconnecting with my more mellow songs in my repertoire. So it's been nice. I've also um, drank a lot less. Um, I didn't drink at all the first little bit. And then the past two nights, I've had uh, one pour of whiskey halfway through the night because it does seem to a little bit relax my vocal cords or my throat. Nice. Yeah, I know that that desert air always fucks you up. Too, yeah, dude, so. it's so dry in Reno. We're in the middle of yeah. a desert, and it's wintertime, and it's like snowing, and it's I don't know, it's rough. But I, I think I'm bad. on the mend, so I'm okay. Good, with it. good, good. I expect to see you next time you're in town. Well, you live here. I live when there, you're yeah. back from your brief visit to Reno. Right. It does feel sometimes like I live here. <laughs> um, that's it for me. When that's, you go, it feels like you're there forever. I know you miss me, and I miss you. Um, which also has me bothered, but that is the end of my botherds today. Johnny, what about you? Uh, really the only thing I have is, uh, a movie, well, two movies that I watched this last weekend and they were Terrifier 1 and Terrifier 2. Terrifier 1 came out in October 2016. Terrifier 2 came out October 6th, 2022. Oh, okay. Um, if you are not familiar Terrifier was a 2016, basically a glorified college student film mm-hmm. uh, directed by Damien Leone. Uh, the original had a budget of $35,000. Right. And and famously, like under budget and like track, like B movie, right? Very B movie. Like the definition of like DIY, B movie, slasher, horror. And Terrifier from 2016 is a revelation. It is one of the best horror movies I've seen in this genre or style of horror, probably since, I don't know, some of the last good uh, Friday the 13th movies uh-huh. or maybe Rob Zombie's Halloween. Uh, but if you just want an unnecessarily gory, over-the-top, the killer doesn't really have any motivation that's known to anyone other than just hack and slash uh, he's a man. clown. Did you say that? Oh no, he's an evil he's clown. clown. That's like the thing. Art, Art the clown. Can Art I, the clown is I, is now a horror icon. Okay, so I googled this, and this isn't always the first thing that comes up, but in certain situations with certain types of movies, 
the first thing that comes up is a commonsensemedia.org, which is like, like for more sort of, <clears throat> I don't know, uh, like conservative, not politically, but like, you know, sensibility wise, conservative people to check about movies and whether or not they'd mm. be appropriate for like their kids or whatever. And the first thing that comes up is Terrifier actually scary. Parents need to know that Terrifier is a slasher movie about an evil killer clown. Blood and gore are extremely strong and the violence against women is disturbing. One woman is hung naked upside down, her breasts are visible, and sawed in half from her crotch to her head. Johnny, you said uh, to me that you rented this and that it's available, but I'm going to hate it, but I could watch it. And I didn't watch uh-huh. it because that is not my thing. Yep. But you loved it. Oh, I, I absolutely loved deviant. it. Uh, Art the Clown is a new horror icon. I think this is probably my favorite new horror movie that I've seen since House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, absolutely just B movie splatter fest. It's shit like this. that like reminded me why I liked movies like this in the mid nineties, just over the top, excessive creepy clown that just wants to stab you. I mean, it's great. This is like why I love horror movies and they're going to go down for me as probably some of my favorites of in recent memory big big fan of these movies so if you're like me completely not right you would you will love these max you should never watch them you would hate them i appreciate you saying that you said the budget for the first one was what thirty five thousand dollars thirty five or twenty five thirty five all right well out of out of the woods of 2022 came damien leon again and then made terrifier 2 on a highly increased budget of a quarter of a million um Mm -hmm. it made 14.8 in the box office and you saw this at home as well yep i did i'm guessing Uh, just the same What's that? I'm guessing it's like the same the same movie, like the same premise, uh, right? No, it's actually a direct sequel. It, it oh. picks up, I think, a few years after the events of Terrifier 1, just like all good horror sequels, you know. It's Halloween, and it's been 10 years since Michael Myers yeah, had right, his reign right, of right, terror. Right, right. Like it's, and the people of Derry are terrified. Exactly. Yeah. It's Miles County in this one. The sure. clown of Miles County is what they call him. They did a really good job building the lore. I think that, I mean they they're standing on the the shoulders of giants and really taking that torch and running with it. It's their new classics for B movie slasher horror. 100%. All right. All right. Uh, where did you watch them both? So the first one I looked up on my Letterboxd account and checked where it was streaming and saw that it was streaming for free on a great little app called Tubi. Oh T-U-B-I. sure. Tubi. Yeah, Tubi. Uh, and I watched it for, f- I could have rented it for $2 or watched it for free with commercials. Totally watched some cr- commercials, felt nostalgic. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh, and then the second one I rented on our Voodoo, Voodoo account right. for, I think, $3. Sure. All right. Great. Uh, so it seems like you've portrayed the gist of these movies. If uh, you know yourself and you know us, you know to either check them out or not. I think that's yep. the end of that. You got anything else in Hot and Bothered? Um, No. Okay, well, as usual, this episode wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Thanks to everybody at uh, The Handlebar for doing an awesome job curating an awesome happy hour seven days a week. Thanks to everybody on Patreon. Um, Thank you to you, Johnny Summers, for a lovely conversation. And my name is Max Minardi. Yeah, this was a blast. Thanks, Max. I hope you're feeling all the way better by the time you get back. This is Johnny Summers. We have loved our time with you. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Uh, But until then, watch terrifier one and two and gross yourself out or don't (laughs) or don't watch some stuff that makes you happy and if it doesn't need to be made don't make it i think that's the the key takeaway here 
Uh, most importantly, be good to each other. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.